hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and reoccurring guest, Will. Yo, what's up, Will? Hey, how's everybody doing? For those of you that are wondering where Steve is, he's still on his Christian retreat. He will be back shortly. Um, what have you encountered new or interesting this week, Connor? Um, Nas's The Lost Tapes 2 dropped. Oh, that's cool. A couple of weeks ago. Um, it's the sequel to 2002's Lost Tapes and basically has like lost songs from like his albums between like 02 and like 08. Oh, that's cool. But um, there's some good stuff on it. No Bad Energy was pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, obviously his music wasn't a part of the Universal Music Group Fire. I guess not. <laughs> um, I'm, I, Nas is one of my favorite rappers. Yeah, I like Nas. Um, so it's cool to have unreleased stuff from him coming out. And most of the time with someone like him, when they do put out stuff that didn't get released before, yeah. it's because they do believe legitimately that it's worth a second go around. Yeah. I mean, I, un, hearing unreleased material is always cool because it's like, you know, it puts you like you hear all the normal stuff and then it puts you like back in that mindset of listening to it. Like, could you imagine if there was like lost tapes of like 10 yeah. that you never heard? Like there'd be cool ass songs. Yeah. Um, what did you find new or interesting this week, Will? Um, well, I just uh, listened to a band called Love, Fame, Tragedy. Uh, they were introduced in June of this year. Um, it's from the Super lead group, singer. right, you said? Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's uh, Matthew Murphy from the Wombats. He um, is the lead singer of the group. And then uh, some other members would be Joey Santiago of the Pixies, Gus Unger Hamilton of Alt-J, and from Pearl Jam, Matt Chamberlain. Oh, that's cool. He uh, played on 10, didn't he, Connor? Yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah. a cool group. Yeah, I mean, and then he was in good. the Saturday Night Live live band. Oh wow! All yeah. right, huh. he like left Pearl Jam to join the Saturday Night Live band for one season. Hmm. I wonder if he made as much money being the Saturday Night Live it. drummer as he did playing on Ten. Highly <laughs> doubt it. Did he tour Ten? He probably made something like forty thousand dollars that year, nineteen ninety two. He's playing Saturday Night Live. Did he didn't tour Ten right or did he? I think he did a little bit of it. Okay. I don't think he did the whole tour because they were touring until 93 for 10, basically. Yeah. And then they did a short stop and recorded verses and then kicked right back off. Um, they were very, they're very, very busy band at that point in time. Like, I actually, not too long ago, was looking at the Billboard charts from 1993, and 10 didn't reach its peak of number two, I think, until, like, 93. Oh, wow. That's the thing when Nirvana, like 10 has sold more than Nevermind in America. And it's because 10 had the longer rise. Um, oh, okay. Like Nevermind came out and it didn't debut high. It debuted at like 144 or something. Hmm. And it had a climb up, but it it, re, it came out in September. And by January, it was number one. Yeah. 10 had a much slower build. And the thing is, once you, it's like a graph, like, 
it, yeah. it'll go up uh, back then when album sales were crazy it would go up about the same speed it would go down if it was like a new band yeah so like when you have a long rise you have a long fall in sales well when did when did temp finally get off the charts it had to be well probably after like, that yeah it was probably like 95 or 96 that's crazy and that never, just shows never, like how good that album spent is over like 350 weeks on the charts or something it's that's in like insane. the top 10 albums most time spent for those of you listening that's seven years yeah because i mean it was on the charts i think still when kurt cobain died and then when kurt cobain died it had went a resurgence back up from like 160 to like uh like 19 or something that's wild yeah that's insane all the nirvana albums went back in the top 40 i think speaking of good albums i re-listened to deftones white pony Oh yeah, that's a banger. Dude, so good. Oh yeah. Like I, I was just I was fucking around on Spotify and Change came on and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love Deftones. You ever get into Deftones, Will? Yeah, I've heard some Deftones. Yeah. Deftones awesome. White White Pony is it's like the last crazy good artistic big mainstream rock album yeah i agree like there I really agree. hasn't been anything that's been as big as white pony and as good as white pony in the rock world since well and plus dude they were just so different yeah like that there was no other bands around that sound like that like at the time heavy metal alternative with like smooth vocals and then screaming vocals yeah, yeah and great. no one's hit on deftones yeah exactly and it was just like that that like progressive aspect of them like it was just Different. I remember seeing Deftones videos when I was like nine and ten and thinking they sucked. <laughs> like I just didn't get it. And then like later on, I was like, I got real into Deftones. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing the one video where they're playing in like the Arctic or something. Oh, okay, yeah. They're like on like ice sheets or something. That's great. It's just one of the videos from around the fur, and I remember thinking like, this is cheesy as hell. <laughs> and then like, I don't know. Like later, it just got me. I love. Oh, a couple of the def- white ponies, the best, and then around the first, crazy good too. You, uh, you've listened to Diamond Eyes before, right? Yeah, Diamond Eyes is good. Diamond Eyes is the last one I listened that's, to. I that's the listened one I've to. listened to, so yeah. I'm not familiar with. Well, that white one came out in like 2009 or 10 or Man. something. We were still in school when that came yeah. out. I haven't listened to any of their stuff since Diamond Eyes. Like, yeah, me I haven't listened to Koi No Yokan or Gore. Mm-hmm. I hear they're good though. I gotta check them out eventually. Yeah, I, I would like. After listening to White Pony again, I would like to get back into them. Like they're just a cool band. Yeah, they've great everything basically. On this day in music history, 1957, American Bandstand goes national when it airs for the first time on ABC. The show will run for five years on the Philadelphia TV station WFIL as Bandstand. Hosted by Dick Clark throughout its national run, the show remains on network TV until 1987. The first song the kids dance to this day is That'll Be the Day by Buddy Holly. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Did you ever see the made-for-TV movie with, I think, Gary Busey, Buddy Holly? No. That's pretty good. Was it? It's from like the 80s or 90s, yeah. That's pretty cool. I think it's called That'll Be the Day. Um, 1962, Marilyn Monroe dies of our of a barbiturate overdose at age 36 in Brentwood, Los Angeles, California. Musically, she's known for an iconic performance of Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Sad I thought she was younger than that when she died. I thought she was, too. I didn't think she was, like, almost 40. Yeah. She um, looked good for 40. Yeah, that's Sure true. did. Um, 1970. Oh, she died before Kennedy, too. I didn't realize that. 
Oh, wow. Um, 1972, music mogul Clive Davis catches Aerosmith act, Aerosmith's act at Max's Kansas City in New York and immediately signs them with CBS Records for $125,000. It's kind of funny. $125,000 bought Aerosmith. In 1972, that was really good. That was like $400,000 today. Yeah but, yeah, but if you think of like how giant Aerosmith was to become... That's just a record advance, though. They gave him one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and and said, "Record an album and and don't die oh, yeah. at that time." You know what I mean? And then when you start touring, you can pay us the money back, and then mm-hmm. whatever you make after that is yours. <laughs> they definitely made it. Nineteen seventy-five. Stevie Wonder signs the largest contract for a single artist in history: thirteen million over seven years for seven, seven albums with Tamla Motown. It's crazy. It's almost like two million dollars a year. It's it's crazy that at one point Motown was dulling out the biggest recording contracts in history. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it, once again, it goes into the Stevie Wonder thing. Like, yeah. he was worth it. I think R.E.M. re-signed their contract in 1996 with Warner Brothers. Yeah. And that was the biggest contract up until that point as well. And they got $80 million for, like, five albums or something. That's crazy. And it's kind of funny, like, you think about, like, sports teams and shit, like, that just totally eclipses, like, any of these record contracts. Oh, yeah, like, like what was Car- the- Carson Wentz will get, uh, what do you get, like, 100 million for five years or something? Yeah, it was crazy, and then one Phillies guy, the one Phillies... Four uh, years? I don't know. I forgot. It, it was, like, big, but not crazy big, but, but Bryce Harper, Jesus Christ, how much did we give him? A lot. Like... Way, 400 million or something over like dude, 15 it was years. crazy like there was um i forget who it is something. it's a dude from it's the a, phillies yeah, then we calculate somebody out getting like thirty thousand an inning or some shit yeah or, it was something like that but but there's another guy from the phillies dude and he got a contract to basically where he gets i think it's like six hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a week like that's insane that's a lot of money that's like 60 yeah. nice toyotas a week <laughs> i'm sure that's where he's gonna do with his money rolling up the team toyota buying all the camrys on the on the lot every week see if i was a, if i was a baseball player i'd be like listen y'all play y'all pay me in volvos toyotas and fenders i don't need this cash shit. <laughs> build a house of all those like lego bricks yeah. <laughs> be indestructible um, 1976, NBC airs the 15th anniversary Beach Boys special, It's Okay, featuring cameos by John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. That's cool. And at that point in time... that's Yeah, that's kind of weird. I never would imagine Beach Boys did anything with John Belushi. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, it would make sense, like, like the Blues Brothers thing, but the Blues Brothers didn't come out until the 80s. No, they were doing that. That was a Siren Live skit, I think. Oh, yeah, it was. And the movie came mm-hmm. out in the 80s. That was okay. like the original, like... Uh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World, Waterboy. Yeah. yeah, movies that came from Saturday Night Live. Skits. That's um, cool. 1978, the Rolling Stones' disco-flavored Miss You hits number one in America, where it stays for one week, knocking Andy Gibbs' shadow dancing from a seven-week run at the top. <laughs> some some girls keeps popping back up. Yeah. Like past maybe, past yeah. couple of weeks, uh, some girls has made it into the week. Maybe that'll be the new thing. Maybe we just constantly <laughs> bring out the Rolling Stones now. <laughs> just the one album. Yeah, just some girls, nothing else. <laughs> um, Beast of Burden, <laughs> Shattered. 
1992, Jeff Porcaro, drummer for Toto, dies of a heart attack from cocaine-induced atherosclerosis at age 38 in Los Angeles. That's crazy. Toto is one of those bands, dude, where everyone shits on them, but they were, like, huge. Like, they're the ones that recorded most of the shit for Thriller. Oh, really? Yeah, like, they were the band. Yeah. Yeah, like, Toto, like, people always think, like, oh, Africa. Did you hold the line? Did you hear Toto's cover of Hashpipe? Yeah, I didn't. I thought it was cool. It was better than Weezer's cover of Africa. Africa. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, Bless the rains now, bitch. (laughs) Two thousand nine. Steven Tyler of Aerosmith falls off the stage at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, suffering injuries to his head and neck, which forces the rest of the band's tour to be canceled. Tyler falls when he is entertaining the crowd with a dance while technical problem is being sorted. Yeah. I think I remember that vaguely. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yep. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'm not the biggest Aerosmith fan, but... <laughs> I like their 70s stuff. Yeah. I, I hate the 90s stuff. Are you sure you don't like Don't Want to Miss a Thing? I hate that song. <laughs> I hate Crazy. <laughs> I hate Angel. Rise. You know it's funny? Will almost answered that at his wedding. Yeah. That's not true at all. Yes, it is. No. It, it was top contender. Top no, five. No. Maybe for her it was, but it sure as hell wasn't for me. Music news. Today in music news, August 5th, 2019. Um, late rapper Lil Peep's mom has announced an album of unreleased music. Obviously, he wasn't affected by the Universal Music Group fire either. Um, Lil Peep fans were in for quite a surprise after a recent announcement via the late rapper's Instagram. It looks like people will get to hear unreleased tracks after all. Talking to Instagram, Peep's mom, Liza, revealed an album that would be released with the artist's unreleased tracks. The album will be put together by Liza and the song's original collaborators. In quotes, she's saying, Who wants a new album with amazing unreleased Lil Peep music put together by Gus's mom and the song's original collaborators? You've been asking for this, and I can't wait to get it to you. Which one's Lil Peep? He's the one that died last year. Oh, okay, well, now it makes sense. He was like, I, I heard he was like really popular in Russia. Um, I never. I he, he always wore like the Adidas track suits. He had like oh, the bleached hair. Okay, yeah. I know who he is, yeah. Tattoos. Um, I forget the songs. Yeah. But he, I do remember him being all right, though. He had one or two songs I thought were all right. Rest in peace, little Peep. How did he die? Uh, I think Xanax, basically. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was Xanax. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember now. A barbiturate, probably. Mm-hmm. Next thing here is Slipknot's album is the, quote-unquote, darkest it's been in a long time, says Corey Taylor. Less than a month away from the release of We Are Not Your Kind, the sixth album hailing from Slipknot, with the album's debut quickly approaching, frontman Corey Taylor opened up on the LP in a recent interview with Jason Rockman of iHeartRadio Canada. Revealing the album has some has some of the darkest lyrics he's written in a long time. Uh, speaking to Rockman at a festival in Quebec City, Canada, Taylor discussed the new album and the emotions behind it. In quotes, It's heavy, it's experimental, it's melodic as hell. Lyrically, it's the darkest that I've gone in a long time. I went through a really dark period, and it fueled all my lyrics for this album, all of my emotions for this album. The shirking the chains of that depression, negativity, trying to get rid of all, uh, trying to get rid of that, 
and the vibe is so dark, people aren't gonna dot dot dot. They're gonna know what to expect with it. It's pretty crazy. New album is set to release actually in four days. Are you excited for that? Um, I like the still a fan. I like the Gray chapter. I thought it was pretty cool, especially with with it being the first album since Paul Gray died. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. The new drummer is really good. Um, Jay Weinberg, his dad's Max Weinberg from uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen's band. Okay. Um, by all the things that I've seen, and they released that one song. Um, I forget what the song's called, but it's it's pretty good. I uh, unsainted. There it is. Um, I'm excited. I think it's cool. You like Slipknot, right, Will? Yeah, I like a little bit of Slipknot. Yeah, like you, you like the you like what was songs their first like, big hit. Probably the big one is uh, Duality. Yeah, that's the one. Duality, yeah. and then um, before, before I, I forget, forget. Yep. Yeah. then um, that's my my, my time. Frame. Yeah, I think that was Volume Three, the Subliminal Verses. That was a pretty good album. Um, the the first one, I think it's Iowa. That one had the song Left Behind on it. It was pretty good. It was it's a heavy heavy record. Then um, they released All Hope Is Gone. And All Hope Is Gone had the one that, like, Psychosocial, Dead okay. Memories, um, Snuff. That that was probably, I mean, it's, like, extremely cliche to be like, oh, that's my favorite album, the most popular one. But it was a very, very good album. I enjoyed it. But, yeah, as far as this one goes, I'm excited to hear it. Uh, you like Stone Sour? I'm. Let's put it this way. Stone Sour opened up for Ozzy. Do you remember seeing Stone Sour that night? We, you guys didn't want to go see Stone Sour. Exactly. You drove. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the singer, right? That good. Yeah, yeah, Corey Corey Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. It, yeah. And actually has, um, well, it used to have the other guitar player in Slipknot, Jim Root. He was the guitar player for Stone Sour, but they replaced him, I think it was a couple of years ago. But I, I'm not a giant fan of Stone Sour. It's just like... Uh, Did I, you like um, the the Sound City Players song with uh, Yeah, Corey from Taylor? Ken DeCant. Yeah, yeah, that song was cool, dude. I I like Corey Taylor as a vocalist. I think he's he, he's good. He might be one of the last like remaining extremely good rock singers. Like, yeah. dude, he has a good range. Like, he has a lot of power in his voice, and he's a good lyricist. And you know, he's just a good singer all around. I I enjoy Corey Taylor a lot, mm. and like he does like acoustic covers of stuff. I think he did "Wish You Were Here," and oh, that yeah. yeah, and it was really really good. Definitely something to check out on YouTube. Um. Another thing here we have in music news is something I actually found out the other day. Uh, Lamb of God part ways with their founding drummer, Chris Adler. Now, you guys aren't fans of Lamb of God at all, but um, uh, Lamb of God, dude, has two brothers in the band, Chris and Willie Adler. Chris Adler's the drummer, well, now ex-drummer, and Willie Adler's the guitar player. And um, they just have a really good, like, they're tight together. Like, they have a good like musical relationship. And when I recently saw Lamb of God with Slayer, they had another drummer. And I thought it was just because Chris Adler hurt himself in a motorcycle accident, but it later turns out that he's the guy replacing him. Um, well, Lamb of God's been around for a while, and that's the kind yeah. of drums where you you got to bring in a fucking... Yeah, we were just talking about that in the last episode. At some point. Yeah. If you keep going for 15, 20 years, eventually the drummer is not going to be able to play that kind of shit anymore. Exactly. Like it's saying right here, um, if you've seen Lamb of God perform over the past couple years, you may have noticed founding member Chris Adler hasn't been behind the drum kit. The band have officially announced Adler's departure and introduced touring drummer Art Cruz as a full member. 
Uh, the band made the announcement on their Facebook page following the their return from a European festival tour. And quotes, we'd like to officially welcome Art Cruz, has been, who has been playing drums with us on tour for the last year as the new drummer of Lamb of God. Art will be joining us in the studio as we per, as we begin pre-production on the recording of a new album. The band continued by thanking Adler for his contribution since the band started out. Uh, we're very proud of everything this band has accomplished over the last two decades. We would like to thank Chris Adler for his contributions over the years and wish him the best in his future endeavors. Thank you. John, Mark, Randy, and Willie. Um, Adler has been am- absent. What were we saying? Sorry how uh, how old is Lamb of God? Like not late nineties, mid nineties. Yeah, late late nineties. Yeah, they, they were originally a band called Burn the Priest, and um, they turned into Lamb of God. It's basically the same band. Yeah, but um, it's saying right here. Um, it's like I was saying before. Um, Adler has been absent from the band since 2017, after he suffered injuries from a motorcycle accident. Fans were excited to see if he would return to the group during the band's outing with Slayer for their final for Slayer's final tour, but were faced with the news that he would not be appearing. Um, Adler has appeared on every single Lamb of God release since their beginning, including their album as Burn the Priest, and the band's return under the same name for a covers album. It is unclear at this time if Adler has another full-time gig with a different band, as he has been doing session work for some time now. It It sucks. Because dude, he works probably the way for him to go. Yeah, exactly. And dude, he's he's one of them like metal elite drummers. Like, dude, he was recruited but he doesn't by. Doesn't want to do it every day. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like he was recruited by Dave Mustaine to play on that uh, Dystopia album. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a he's a good drummer. And uh, honestly, he in my opinion, he is the best, if not one of the best, metal drummers of all time. Yeah. Like he's just good. Better than Vinnie Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. No disrespect, Vinny Paul. Don't crucify me for that one. But anyone with half a brain knows that Chris Adler's a better drummer. <laughs> Obviously, you don't know because you don't listen to Lamb of God. But yeah. Chris Adler is just an insane drummer. Yeah. Like th- honestly, there's no one better than Grohl. Different style drummer. Like yeah. Do you he think Grohl could play what he plays. No, no. I don't think I don't think Dave Grohl could play what Chris Adler plays. But I I think. Like vice versa, Chris Adler probably couldn't play with Dave Grohl plays either. Couldn't play all of it. Probably yeah. not all of it. Well, like the thing is too, you have to think about it. Like Dave Grohl is one of them fucking like mega drummers that are like smashing the shit out of stuff, and like Chris Adler doesn't do that. He's like precise. He's very precise, and he doesn't have to hit the drums hard to get his point across, and you know, like other shit like that. But it, I feel like in my like tier of drummers. Like for like regular rock music, Dave Grohl's up there, if not number one. And I mean, everyone knows I'm a giant Alice in Chains fan. Sean Kenny is either one or two. He's tied with Grohl, in my opinion. And Chris Adler is like top of the list for metal drummers, in my opinion. But sad news. Did you think the new drummer was good? I thought he was good, but it's one of those things, dude. He jumps into a situation to where the drum parts are already written. Like he jumps into a like an already working entity, and all he has to do is just you know phone it in. Well, how we're gonna be able to see this though is with the new album. When's and, that coming? Do you know? No, not yet. Yeah. The, well, they're going into pre-production, so I'm guessing it would probably be somewhere around too. next year. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, dude, when I saw him, he's a good drummer. He comes from a band called uh, Winds of Plague. But yeah, the the big thing is going to be seeing how he acts on this album, like writing new songs, and we'll see if it's a good fit. But, you know, 
hopefully it all works out because Lamb of God is probably one of my favorite metal bands around. If you had your eyes closed that show, do you think you would have known Chris Adler wasn't drumming? No. No. Honestly, dude, for the first like the first 10 minutes of that set, I had no idea. Like I the one thing that I noticed cuz I'm like a gear nerd, I roll up the shows. The kit was different. Yeah. Like yeah. I rolled up and I was like I know Chris Adler is a Mapex drums artist and these drums say Crush on them. And I was like when did Chris Adler switch to playing Crush? Mm-hmm. And then like obviously like I'm focusing on everything and then like they did the close up on our crews like on like the screens and I was like fuck that isn't Chris Adler. Yeah. What the fuck is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you know, obviously it was a good show. Yeah. But that's going to bring us into our next topic or our main topic here. Um, let's say, for instance, Will, you go and you see your favorite band trapped right. at a concert. Okay. And the whole ride you're there listening and you're listening to Headstrong on repeat for 45 minutes on your way to the venue. You get in there and they play Headstrong and it's not as good. I Do mean, you feel like that would change your opinion of Trapped? I mean, as far as like the music itself. Uh, yeah, like if you went there with an expectation of, I know how good this is going to be or how good right. this should be, and it falls under your expectations. Do you feel like that would change your outlook of the whole band? I mean, it doesn't really change my outlook. It's definitely disappointing because you, you would think that when a band goes and they record their music, they're playing you know we're expecting obviously there's some effects but not an effect to make the band sound better so when you go to hear them live you, you expect to almost hear like the same you know i i don't expect to hear like oh they sound like shit like is this even the same band because then it just makes you think like you know well when they recorded were they good at all or is it all just fake yeah is you it know? all studio magic but I, and- I mean it doesn't really make me think any other way like oh you know what fuck them i'm not gonna listen to trapped anymore because their music sucks you know but <laughs> That's not the case. It's just, it's really disappointing sometimes. I mean, there's, and also like when it comes to like shows, like concerts, because there's been different concerts I've gone to, seen different bands like MMRBQ and such. And when you hear like, you know, for instance, the one I went to the one, it was the headline for um, Three Doors Down. So I I really enjoy Three Doors Down. But you know what? Like I didn't, I wasn't up to date with their new album. So when they came on, they played all new shit. Like there was nothing, like none of the old songs that I knew. So like I left. No Kryptonite? Nothing. They didn't play. And I was Kryptonite? like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna fucking leave. Like, I don't want, like. I love. I like Three Doors Down, That's but like, if up. I don't enjoy the music, I don't know it. I know. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to push out their album. They want people to hear it. You know, to get involved. But like, you gotta, you gotta keep pulling people in. Maybe every other song. That's so weird. Like, try to find a way they to like. Played that. Try to find a way to keep people involved. Like, That's you know, still at the so end of the weird. day, I can't get over this. You know, they we didn't talk play Kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, but, and that. Yeah, I understand or it's loser. from a long time ago, but loser. No. They probably played fucking It's Not My Time, though, didn't they? I didn't hear that either. Like or I said, I I'm left. Gone. I mean, I gave them a chance. I waited like six songs, like seven songs. Like, oh, no, they I'm probably... Fucking... Uh, maybe at the very end, closing like, song. Yeah, maybe. But like at the, I mean, most of the people were already leaving. Like They were just up and walking out. Like I never minded Foghat. Yeah. And I saw them at like a free MGA, MGK concert like mm-hmm. 10 years ago in Cooper River. Yeah. And uh, it was terrible. It was, was like it? so boring. Oh my god! Um, they played probably like fifteen or twenty songs, and they all sounded the same. Like they didn't have like a good, uh, 
they didn't have a good gauge for like what a set list should be. I feel like they just played like all the songs were like the same pace. Like yeah, it just it just felt so boring. That sucks. I didn't know cool. any of the songs. And then like we're walking out and they're playing uh, slow ride, slow ride as we walk out, and it was just like yeah, fuck this. We don't just, you hate when they do? I'm that already kind of leaving. Shit? Like I'm not gonna go back. Like yeah, yeah. Like don't you hate when bands do that shit? Yeah, it's annoying. Like, like, for instance, when I saw Soundgarden and they didn't play Black Hole Sun. Yeah, I actually had sound, And I feel like you could have been a bigger Soundgarden fan if they really killed that show. But that show, I feel like, stunted your Soundgarden uh, well, listenership. I mean, it's, it's not an, that I wasn't. It's an expectation. Well, like when I go to see a band and there's like, you know, their, their most popular song, I expect to hear it. Well, that's the thing, though. I went to another an MM barbecue. And I went there strictly to hear Alice in Chains, and right. they were co-headlining. So, and Alice in Chains, and then Soundgarden. Right. And I think it was just a culmination of things because it rained and it was cold, and then Soundgarden played, and I didn't feel like they were as good as they could have been or should have been at that point in time because they just released King Animal, which was a good album, and Chris Cornell just like stormed off the fucking stage and. They didn't play Black Hole Sun, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I just stood out in the rain for an hour while right. you assholes played a bunch of bullshit. And you paid money, yeah. You know, you want to see that. The, the replacements were like a band that were like famous for having either being the best band you ever saw in your life or the worst band you ever saw in your life. Like sometimes they would be so drunk that they would show up to shows as the replacements, and they would just like switch instruments and literally just dick around on the stage. For really? Like 30 minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that's because they never like really made it into like, like that arena. Type I mean, thing. they had number one hits on like mainstream rock tracks. And yeah. Shit. I mean like they weren't like selling out places like no. the TLA or something where someone paid like a substantial amount of money to go. They see did one show. arena tour with Tom Petty. They were oh. his opening act and Tom Petty stole one of their lyrics. Really? And put it in into the great wide open. Yeah, I'm a rebel without a clue. That's from a replacements hit. It's from like the biggest replacements hit. Thieving bastard. Yeah, and he 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 slipped that shit right in. He toured with him for a couple months and then slipped that into his own song like a year <laughs> later. What a fucking bastard. Um That's funny. Dinosaur Jr. is like a plus and a minus for me. Yeah. Um I saw Dinosaur Jr. in 2008, right when they first got back together after the release of Beyond, and they were like ripping and roaring, loud, amazing band. Yeah. And then I saw them again in like 2016 or 17, and they were they were opening for Jane's Addiction, who was doing it. Must have been 2016 because they were doing their Ritual De La Habitual yeah. 25th anniversary album. And I swear they were just like plugged in on like Jane's Addiction settings. Oh shit! And it didn't work. Like Dinosaur Junior is supposed to be loud, and uh, they just weren't. It, it, it just seemed like really Dinosaur odd Jr. to me that Dinosaur Junior would even be a band that would not like control their sound. Well, like, isn't Dinosaur Junior the band where like their last song is like supposed to be like the loudest or something like that? I think you're talking nah, about my bloody Valentine. Oh, my bloody Valentine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They my get, bad. My bloody Valentine tries to get people to leave at the end of the show before them by just <laughs> turning it up. To the point where it's like not good for your ears at all. <laughs> See, the only concert I've ever been to that I had super high expectations for and I was extremely let down was for Van Halen. Yeah. When I like I had an idea when I was going that David Lee Roth isn't the same David Lee Roth from the 80s or even the early 90s. And 
I'm not gonna lie. I showed up to that show, and like Eddie and Alex came out, and they did like their whole like little intro thing. I cried, but then Dave came out talking whatever bullshit he did, and it was like, what the fuck am I watching? Like I'm watching this fucking sixty year old dude spinning fucking batons and shit on stage, fucking up the songs that I came to hear. And you have Eddie and his son Wolfgang singing the songs perfect. And it was actually kind of funny. And I feel like they kind of did that shit on purpose where <clears throat> where they were like perfect and like to the fucking T. And Dave Lee Roth was just jumping around like a fucking idiot. And I feel like it gravely affected their whole set. And <clears throat> I mean, at least I get at least I got to say that I saw Van Halen. I mean, they haven't done another row of of shows since that tour no. right yeah i think I th- they kind of realized that it wasn't going well yeah that was in 2015 and i mean they there was talks of a tour for this summer and something happened and but there was actually talks of having a full reunion tour like having michael anthony too yeah then there was talks of having with sammy and like both of them yeah yeah but then obviously dave's ego got in the way and that didn't happen which like I said before, that's probably the only concert where I'll drop hundreds upon hundreds of dollars to see that show. Um, if they did a reunion tour with Hagar, would you do it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I like, dude. I'm a Van. I love Van Halen, and I love the Roth stuff as much as I love the Sammy stuff. Like, it's just, it's like we talked before. Like, it's an entirely different band, but in my opinion, it has the same has core members. Yeah. yeah, and I mean. Let's be real. You're not going to have a Van Halen without the Van Halen brothers. And if as long as they're in the band, it's it's Van Halen, in my opinion. But that was the only the only live show I've really been to where I was like very underwhelmed. And I mean, it didn't really make me think about Van Halen in a negative light or anything, but it was just like, come on. Like, I mean, I paid one hundred twenty dollars to sit in a fucking chair and I didn't get my money's worth, like, in my opinion. But. But it obviously wasn't. It didn't upset you enough to say like, you know what, fucking, I'm done with Van Halen. No, absolutely not. It would take so, a lot. No, but it, like, I work in the restaurant industry, and someone told me a long time ago that like, you have to have good service in a restaurant because some of these people that are going out to dinner tonight are going out to dinner tonight, and that's the only time they might be going out to dinner this year. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's true. With concerts, it's that times ten. Yeah. Like people, most people just don't go to concerts on the regular. Like, that's true. A lot, like a big concert like Van Halen, that might mm-hmm. be like something that like a 35, 40 year old person might only do once every couple of years. Well, you have to remember so that too. when you have the fucking singer jerking off on stage, basically rubbing it in your face that he doesn't give a fuck what it sounds like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not cool. <clears throat> well, it's, it's crazy. Well, it's different with a concert too because. Sometimes, like almost like the Van Halen one, there's bands that you don't get to see all the time. It's not like Alice in Chains, where like we talked about before, they're around every August. Like you're gonna see them next August. Don't worry if you miss it. It's like one of those things where you know, like Van Halen or even Soundgarden, they don't come around often. Or you know, unfortunately, someone dies and you'll never see them again. It's like we're talking about when we saw Ozzy, and like all of his health problems that happened a little while ago. Like that very well could have been his last tour. Yeah. But he fucking killed it. Uh, yeah, Ozzy. Um, seeing Ozzy live, like, yeah, no, he's definitely not at his peak ability. Yeah. But you could see he was into it. You could see he was doing his best. Mm-hmm. And 
that like he the fact that he still gives a fuck to fucking do his best for whoever came out for him exactly that 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 speaks volumes to like why he made such good music because he's actually a real motherfucker exactly and i mean ozzy like when ozzy comes to town it's like it's like a fucking like a holiday yeah like when he shows up like and dude we saw him for what like 15 bucks yeah like he's not even charging like van halen is exactly he's ozzy osbourne yeah. He's like way more famous than David Lee Roth. Oh my god, way more famous than David Lee Roth will ever be. Yeah. Like Ozzy Osbourne is more of a household name than David Lee Roth or even Van Halen for that matter. Yeah. Like uh it's just one of those things like you have these bands and they deliver. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's unfortunate that you pay he's money. Still, he's still willing to pay Zach Wild. Yeah, exactly. Like he could just bring some fucking nobody out and pay him you know, a 20th of what he's paying Zach Wild. Well, it's like we were talking about before. Like, all the groundwork was laid out for all these songs. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure, well, I'm not going to say we could play Zach Wild's guitar parts, but if our you could abilities... could find somebody that could do exactly, it. Exactly. Like, if our abilities were up to par and Ozzy said, hey, I'll give you $10,000 if you go on this four-month tour with me, mm-hmm. I'd go, okay. Yeah. But Nicole, Even though $10,000 over four months is not shit. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing, though. Like yeah. he could pay some nobody to go out there and play the. I mean, it's not shows. not shit, but that's thirty grand a year. I mean, it's not it's not yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean, though. Yeah, but you're still going on tour with him. Yeah, that and exactly, surprise, and know? it's a lot less than what Zach Wild is likely making in four months from Ozzy Osbourne. I could only imagine what he makes from that. <laughs> the, the, I, uh, it's probably something like Ozzy gets ten bucks and. Zach Wild gets five bucks. Honestly. Probably, like I mean, fifteen dollar tickets. Like it's, it could probably break down if you want to break it down real simple. It's probably something like that. Like Zach Wild probably gets a nice chunk. Well, you have to remember too that like a lot of the bigger Ozzy songs are Zach driven songs. And yeah, I and mean, obviously, besides a Crazy lot of Train people, and like, Park of the Moon, you might not have cared to go if Zach Wild wasn't there. You've yeah. already seen Ozzy. Yep, I yeah, saw him I mean, with Zach. So I purposefully didn't see him when he had Gus G. Yeah. On the Scream Tour, I purposefully didn't go to that. Exactly. And I made sure I went because I knew that Zach was going to be there this time because I knew he was going to deliver. And yeah. he did. It was a good show. It, it's definitely in my top five concerts. Well, and Ozzy recognizes <clears throat> that his fans like Zach, too. Yeah. It's it's not all about him. He realizes that like he did need Zach for yeah. his solo career. And he, he's... To prepare to make good on that to everybody exactly Zach, the, the fans you know i mean it, it's like we said before like a band could go out and just phone it in and you'd have like the audience that would just be happy that oh my god yeah ozzy came to town yeah but <clears throat> for someone to come around and actually put and actually give a fuck it just makes the concert going experience even that much better yeah you know look at pearl jam yeah Pearl Jam has like at this point built their whole career on tour. You can come see Pearl Jam and it's going to be good every single fucking night. I've always wished I could have saw Pearl Jam. Yeah, they're a band that when they come around next time, I think I definitely got to make the effort to make that happen. When was the last time they were here? Was it Made in America? Probably. Yeah, I think that's the last Um, time that they were here. And they probably didn't play a crazy long set for that or anything. Because I think Jay-Z headlined that. Well, yeah, and they probably got more of a slot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. I, from all the live videos that I've seen, Pearl Jam puts on an insane show. 
Yeah, they're always ridiculous good. show. Yeah, I, I saw Stone Temple Pilots, and that was the show that me and you went to, right? Yeah, I saw them with Scott Island, and uh, the band themselves was good. It's the another front it, but band Scott Island wasn't so good, and that kind of turned me off. I was kind of a Stone Temple Pilots fan, and then that did mm-hmm. kind of turn me off from them because he was up on stage, fucked up, reading Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and, and it was like you know, if you don't care that much. Like, why am I going to care? Well, yeah, it's like, dude, I'm here to see Stone Temple Pilots. I'm not here to see you. I'm glad you're here since you were a part of this. Exactly. See, but if you want to just get fucked up and read fucking books to trip people out or whatever, go fucking do an open mic night or something, buddy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Pretty sure Henry Rollins needs an opener on his spoken word tour. I mean, and it was like, it was an MMR barbecue. Like, come on. Like, not everyone, no one was there for some crazy, arty no. Scott Weiland well, experience. I'm trying like, to, I'm trying to remember that. I think that that show was really good. But like, Al, think, yeah, Alice and Chains played and yep. they were great. And it like kicked me back into an Alice and Chains kick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like I'm, I'm thinking about like the beginning of that show. There was two local bands then live played. Live was insane. No, it wasn't live. Fuel. Fuel. Fuel played, and they were fucking incredible, dude. You crowd surfed for like 20 minutes of that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really did. Very, I'm not shitting you, dude. Right? They took him up. They took him all the way to the one side, all the way to the other side, brought him back, and then dropped him right at the stage. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting around that one. That was during Fuel, too. Yeah. The dude like acknowledged me in the middle he pointed of the shiver. He was like, fuck yeah, I like that shit. <laughs> like, and then... Um, That's what he said. Uh, Skillet played. I like Skillet. I mean, it, love them or hate them, they put on a very Yeah, they good were show. definitely good live. Yeah. They were an insanely good show. And, you know, the fact that they were, you know, during the general emission part of that show, and the band that came on after them was Three Days Grace, yeah, they I think. they were terrible. Yeah, Three Days Grace sucked. They were absolutely... Days, I, saw, I didn't I even know... Once they were pretty good, and I didn't... I didn't even know who they were until yeah, you like couldn't two tell. or three songs really? in. Dude, they and were they were all horrible. over the radio at that time. I've seen Seether twice there. I saw both Seether times too. they were pretty good. Seether I was really you know, good. When did I they saw cover them. Nirvana? Nah. Now so. they they're they're like frequent Nirvana coverers. They they played Nirvana when I saw them. I forget what song it was though. I know they cover Heart Shape Box. Uh, maybe you, they did. You know you're yeah, right. They, they cover, um, probably more. It may have been, you know, you're right. Yeah. I think it might have been because they like in between songs, they did like jams. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure one of them was that I could see them like just jamming on it for a couple minutes and, and like not playing the song. Like they were another exactly band dude, where it was just to. incredible. Yeah. But even see, though they took the time to do that, they still went back and played their regular music and they put out a good show. Yeah. Well, like they just like fucked around. Like, and I think they, music they and, co-headlined with Godsmack. And Godsmack is another one of those bands where I've seen them multiple times, and they were good every time. Right. Oh, well, by see, the way, Seether knows that they they people like their first three or four albums, and they got to play the shit. Exactly. That. Yeah. That's what I was saying in the beginning. Well, in the beginning, you know that you have to play it. You know, it's well, just not Karma a and Effect was good. Karma and Effect. Yeah. And like, the one after that, I forget what it's called, but uh, um, I forget what it it's had called, Fake too. It on it. Yeah. Um, that had a bunch of hits on it. So like, I'm sure dude, you remember those. when the remedy came out, right? Oh yeah, that yeah. was a banger when it came dude, out. That I don't song care came what anybody <laughs> says that, that song was fire when it came out. That's on my Spotify playlist to this day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you even have to think of it on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, let's say for instance, you go to a festival, right? 
and like an MMRBQ type thing. Right. And you see a band that you don't know, but their set is fucking blistering, and yeah. you're like, this band is really good. Well, I can I can think of like two bands. Like, are you inclined to go out and purchase their record? Yeah, like I, like the two bands I've heard, like Sick Puppies. Uh, the first I ever heard of them was at a concert that I've gone to, and uh, the music was really good. So I, you know, I felt like I had to go home and, and look more into it, listen to more of their music. Yeah, another band, Adelita's Way. Oh, I know. Um, I heard some way. of their songs. I was like, wow, this is great. Not to mention, right after their set, they set up right out in the hallway, and I got to meet them. You know, they signed um, pictures for us and everything. Me and Tim had gone. Where's um, that? Where was that at? It was down in Atlantic City, one of the one of the casinos down there. I can't remember. Oh, which okay. One. Um, but yeah, we went down there, we got to meet them and that was just, you know, great That's too. Pretty I cool. know they're just up and coming, so it's not really a big thing for them, but it, it really, it's a good start. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you have to think of to it. Yeah. You have to think of it as like the consumer, like, you know, you're sitting down in that crowd, you're looking at someone up on the stage. Obviously there's somebody special cause they're up right. on that stage. I mean, they could easily just been done and went in their fucking locker room or whatever. And that was it going home. Yeah, you know, exactly. They, they're trying to help push themselves out there. So, like, hey, let's be personable. Let's meet the people that could potentially be fans in the future. Mm-hmm. Because up until that point, I never even heard of them. Yeah, you and know. now you're inclined to listen to their music. Right. I listened to their music. I was watching, like, the music videos. Again, I didn't even know they existed until then. And then you had, like, some backstories on it, and it was they were, they were really good. Um, we talk about, let's go back to Billy Joel for a second, you know, and I, I really enjoyed his music. You know, I'm not a big fan of all of it, but there's quite a few songs I enjoy. And then, you know, whatever it was a few months ago, we watched this film about how he was on a personal level. And honestly, I, I, I can't see myself listening to the music the same way. It comes on the radio and like I automatically have this thought in my head like he's full of shit. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. why do I like, I, I don't want to support somebody like that? I so agree. it sucks that I enjoy the music and I'm not going to say, oh, I'll never listen to him again. But every time I hear it, I that that hits in my head. You know, it's just. Yeah, I was. a huge. I mean, this isn't really in relation to um the live like aspect but like I, we talked about on the one episode but david bowie like yeah. pedophile stuff just i can't listen to him anymore right um yeah. like if it comes on like you know it's like what you said it's it's almost like you just think like wow it sucks i can't enjoy this right um, exactly but um yeah it just i mean you can still listen i'm afraid of americans for trent reznor yeah i guess <laughs> um it sucks because i missed that song um <laughs> i still can't believe steve never heard of that song yeah that was shocking yeah that's like the quintessential 90s bowie track like uh, you've heard that song right which song i'm afraid of americans maybe i'm, I'm afraid of the world i don't know it's, i'm afraid i can't help them yeah it's I, basically what? nine inch nails with david bowie yeah. singing dude it's right. fucking awesome you'll it's we'll, like crazy we'll you. have to listen to that sometime <laughs> Dude, it is such a good song. We're gonna blast that shit down here when we're done. <laughs> right. Johnny's in America. Johnny wants to sip on a coke. Yeah. But, you know, also these bands, they have to think like they're in the spotlight. They're they're almost like idols. It's kind of like yeah. you talk when they talk about like the sports players that get in trouble for doing the things. Like if if you if you want to participate in those things, if you're a pedophile, whatever that's whatever the case is, then you know you just can't be in the public's eye. Nah. You know you can't yeah. you can't be in a band and be some fucking asshole. Like you know you have to be a personal person if you're going to be in front front row in front and center. People are going to look up to you. Role models. We're talking about like some of the music with kids, not necessarily mm-hmm. like the heavy shit, but softer music. Let's talk about like Seether, you know those types of bands. You know people are going to listen to that younger versions of people, and. um I just feel like that they just have to have a certain level of I don't know, respect. Respect, I guess, yeah. would be yeah. a good word. I mean, at the real, end of the day. not just for themselves. Yeah, but exactly. Everyone. Realness. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it, 
like, I mean, I don't know because I've never been on a stage like none of us have been on a stage like that. But right. like, I feel like you kind of feed off of that. Like, if you give out, well, it kind of goes into life. If you get out what you put in, right, or you get back what you put out, or whatever, right. I mean, if you're a good guy and you're playing a good set, yeah, positive energy shoots out. People are like, oh, you know what? I've never. That's the cool thing about the concerts too. I feel like they always try to look out and find up and coming groups. It's like, hey, you want to play in the beginning? You know, like you have yeah, you know, exactly. your headliners, you have your starters. And you always hear like different bands you never heard before. So it's kind of cool to get the music out there. Well, that also goes into like, um, like uh, there being like a music scene or whatever. Like you remember Foo Fighters first tour, like they had like Mike Watts and he headlined and then Mike Watts had Foo Fighters and then Hovercraft mm-hmm. and they all were playing in Mike Watts band. Like shit like that doesn't really happen anymore. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, I feel like that kind of that kind of like ruins like a concert experience because it's almost like you're just paying for like a jukebox type deal. I forget who I was. It was it was some rapper I was watching an interview with one of the old heads like Dr. Dre or something. But they or it wasn't Dr. Dre, but it was someone with that kind of like caliber. Yeah. And uh, they were saying like the problem with the new school of rap is they stopped learning from the old generations and they just scrapped everything and they're just kind of doing shit fresh. Like yeah, they started like... from scratch. Mm-hmm. And when you don't build off of the old stuff and learn from like the good things. Yeah. It's like that Quincy movie, what they were saying, like there's only 12 notes. You'd be, uh, you do very well to see what other people did with those 12 notes. Exactly. Yeah. You know I mean, and you know, it's, um, I forgot where the fuck I was going with this, but like, um, Yeah, um, the scene, like rock bands, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Um, you have rock is so splintered now and has gone in such long, non-linear pathways that like people aren't taken from like what was best. They're just taken from whatever they stumbled on. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, like going back to like bands being good or bad or whatever, like you think of like older acts like led zeppelin like I, I know we bring up led zeppelin a lot but it's because they are who they are like if they weren't good live yeah no one would give a shit about exactly it point. yeah like you know like you think of like the last tour they did like people i mean obviously people were upset about the death of john bottom but if they weren't a good band live and all they were was just a studio band like no one would no one would care about led zeppelin I mean, not that nobody wouldn't care, but they wouldn't have made it as far. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that's you need game. the good t- concert performances to yep. give you money. Now, to do be you, able to make albums. On on the flip side to this, do you feel like, or you like, did back then? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you feel like if you were, like, if you were to see someone like, I don't know, like Rob Zombie or like Marilyn Manson that puts on like a crazy, crazy. Uh, no, hold on. Prime example. I saw that band Ghost. They uh, played the last time at Barbecue or the one before it. Yeah, they played the one before it. Alice in Chains headline. Big yeah, you surprise. showed that band. They're all right. Yeah, they're a good band, but I saw them live, and their stage show was incredible. Right. Like, probably one of the craziest live shows, like, like visually, I've ever seen. But the singer got out there. Um, I forget what his name is, but he got out there, dude, and he did not sound like, he didn't sound like Ghost. 
Like right. it, it, you could tell that it was the same guy, but it just wasn't the same. And I'm not gonna lie. After that, after that little bit there, like I like I've always wanted to see them. I got to see them. They'll never has. They'll never have me as like a you know like a person in the audience again. Well, I mean, you do have to have an understanding that as the bands go through time, like the voice changes. Dude, you know, so it's not going to sound exactly the same. Cerise came out three years ago. Your voice doesn't change that fucking much. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, we don't know what he's doing on his free time. Yeah, I guess. But and he could would have now. What, let's say, for example, he has some kind of throat cancer or something that he's developing, but he still continues to do touring or whatever. We just don't know about it. And now you're going to find out about it. Now you'll feel like an asshole because, like, oh wow, well, he was still trying to put his music out there, even though. You know, he's having health issues or whatever, and then you'll think twice about I would say karma's a bitch. He shouldn't treat his band members like shit. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the difference. I didn't know about all that, but was he just like Billy Joel? Yeah, pretty much. Not too far off. Yeah, he... Um, nice. The The thing with Ghost is all the members wear masks. Yeah. So you never know who yeah, they oh, are. Oh, I see. Okay. They and what out. was going on was, like, he was having, like, that song Cerise. Right. That was written by an entirely different band that tours with him now. And since they're nameless ghouls, they don't have any songwriting credits. It's just him. So he's pocketing all this money, paying them what he wants, and they fucking sued his ass. Yeah. And now the cat's out of the bag. Now everyone knows who he is. Oh, thanks, because I kind of enjoyed their music now. I'm going to be like the same thing every time I listen to it. Oh, no. I mean, I don't really give a shit. It's not like it, it, they weren't in the band for Financial 30 Financial disagreements years. are different than pedophilia. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, the- yeah. That's true. <laughs> you don't have to be like totally like it doesn't have to be a complete guilty pleasure. Right. Well, the, the Billy Joel thing is entirely different, though. The that's Billy not, Joel thing is because the guy was the drummer for 30 fucking years. Well, yeah, and that's that's, that's like different. an extreme that's financial disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like you think about a band like like Billy Joel's band, like obviously they're just Billy Joel's band, but they were writing the music, too. It's not like yeah. it was just Billy Joel. And I mean, exactly. obviously, it's part of their agreement that he's going to get 100 percent of the credit. But Billy Joel knew that they shared the writing process together. Oh, absolutely. It's just crazy. All right. Now. Let's get the general consensus. Do you feel like if a band is good in the studio, bad live, does that change your perspective? Um, I think really it depends on how bad we're talking. You know, I, I mean, like I said, there's there's a there's a there's a level of expectation. If you when feel I go like you scene. didn't get your money's worth after the show, I yeah, I mean, I would definitely be pissed. Um, I probably wouldn't listen to them as much, or like you know, if there was new music coming out, be like, well, you know, it's kind of like. The music that the last time I heard them live, let's say the the album came out two years before, and I'm listening to that album live now, and it sounds like shit. Well, maybe I'm not going to be inclined to listen to the next album or purchase the next album because it's not going to sound as good. You know, I, I like there's a certain level of expectation that you know you have when you come out, you have to do 100 percent every time. You know, he was talking about bands earlier; they were just fucking around, reading books and shit. Like, why would I want to continue to listen to music from them or go any further with them from there? Well, because he died. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it depends on the band. Yeah. Like, the replacements were a famously goofy band. Yeah. Like. You'd expect that from them. Yeah, you'd expect them to fucking jerk off all night on stage, maybe. Yeah. Like, they were drunk. But, right. and you just hope that next time you go, What's the they thing play that, great. So, yeah, you're it's, expecting it's it when you go there. Yeah. Um, But, like, if you go see, like, 
Metallica and they do that, you're going to be like, no, you're not doing this. I'm very <laughs> mad. Go home and put on live shit, binge and purge yeah. and cry to sleep. You're going to be like, I paid $180 to see you guys switch instruments and play drunk covers. I don't fucking think so. <laughs> well, I I think like it was a couple months ago or something. Kirk Hammett and Robert did like a Prince cover or something on stage. It was just them two. Like if they would have stopped a fucking set in the middle of it to play a Prince cover with just guitar and bass and have it not sound good, I'd be very fucking mad. I'd be throwing shit. I'd be like... Okay, why? <laughs> Start another band and play fucking Prince covers. When we're done, I'll show you the video. You're going to be like, no fucking way. <laughs> it, it wasn't good. Robert sung and he was like screaming it. I think they did when Doves Cry. But um, <laughs> with me, dude, I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it depends on the circumstance. I feel like it depends on where I'm seeing this band, how much I paid to see this band, like if, you know, we were at a festival, let's say, and, you know, like Three Days Grace, they sucked. I haven't listened to Three Days Grace since. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be real with it. But I have listened to Skillet since then. I like Skillet, yeah. Like, seeing them live got me into them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, Fuel, dude, yeah. I haven't stopped listening to them. I've always liked Fuel. They were and an extremely, good extremely good live band. Yeah. And, you know, like... um. Like uh, I told you this one before we even started. I saw Megadeth on the Rust in Peace 25th anniversary tour, 20th anniversary tour. Regardless, did they was, play that album? In the yeah, they oh, played cool. Rust in Peace in its entirety. And dude, no bullshit. It sounded like someone put a fucking CD in and clicked play. Dude, it I sounded had Rust identical Peace on cassette. That was fucking sweet. I should have brought it when we saw Davis Dane. Yeah, to sign it. That goes into another thing. Like if you meet them and they're an asshole in person. I feel like he might not have signed it. He he might have been like, "I'll sign the new one." You think so? He might have been because they had, he had his album for sale there. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like he would have been like, it had okay. like just come out." It was like a promotional yeah. appearance for that album. Well, not to go off topic, actually, I I met Dan Aykroyd a few years ago. He oh was, wow, he's a uh, like the creator of Skull Vodka. So you're Crystal. talking about Dan Aykroyd. Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd, yeah, I know. Busters and shit. Yep, Dan okay. Aykroyd. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I went all the way like to Delaware to meet him, son. <laughs> and um, I already knew about like the Skullvok and also definitely I bought one for him to sign. But then I also took like a DVD of Ghostbusters one and two, and I had a VHS of Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. So like I went down there and he signed. He signed all of it. He didn't have to. Like he was basically there to sign like the Skullvokas for people to, to promote it. Um, but when I gave him the VHS, he's like, "Oh, this is fantastic. Not many people have these anymore." He's like, "Real." He was all about it. It was, it was fun. No. Yeah, no, nah, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. I've seen a couple like interviews with him where he's like, he's a very smart guy too. Yeah. Now, are, how many times did you watch Ghostbusters that night when you got home? <laughs> just once. <laughs> Still once. But I mean, he he could have just been like, no, I'm just here to sign the vodka bottles, and and that would have definitely tainted my personal opinion on him. I've seen him in films. First time meeting the guy, you know, that was yeah. really like a first impression. Like you almost grew up and with leaving him. him. Like now, I know, like okay, that he's a good guy. Yeah. You know? He was like, fuck it, I can take fucking six seconds and sign these three Exactly. Yeah. No, but he even took pictures with us. Wait, why the hell would you bring Caddyshack? He's in the, what is it, the first one. Where is it the first one play? or the second one? I was never a big Caddyshack. Might have yeah. been the second one. Bill Murray yeah, was in the one. first. Yeah, the second one. He was then. in the first yeah, Caddyshack. Was the, um, Chevy Chase. Brown shape, brown keeper guy in the second one. Okay, I was yeah. going to say, he definitely wasn't in the first one. No, it was the second That's one. That's Bill Murray. That's what I meant to say. 
We're going to get into our suggestion from last week. Yeah, I watched Kurt and Courtney like five or six years ago, and I (laughs) I did not uh, revisit it for this. I wish I would have taken your advice, and I didn't watch it. They got the narr- the Nick Broomfield dude ruined it. Fucking idiot. Yeah it it it's almost like it started out as you just wait for it the whole time. Yeah, like, and when it is doesn't this movie happen. Gonna fucking give me anything that's cool. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I made it halfway through, and I had to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even complete it. I and it get uh, like this movie's famous. Yeah, like. It's not like a A-list movie. It's not fucking Jurassic Park or anything, but um, like people know this movie. It's been on streaming sites for years. Like, yeah, it's been around. Like a lot of people. Like this movie has gone a lot further than it deserves to go. Yeah. All right. Now, Will, you being a veteran listener to this podcast, and since you're a veteran listener, make the joke every week that if you're a listener, you probably watch our movie suggestions. Would you say that this might be one of the worst movies that we recommended? Um, I'm not going to say. Uh, yeah, it definitely has been. Yeah, it's the worst. There's no, there's no would yeah. you say like without a doubt it is. It the, was like, worse than the Robert Johnson like, when TV we, thing. When we yeah. go through and we we nominate like you know with our one through ten, you, you'll see how big of a difference it is from <laughs> the other films. You know. Now I can't believe this shit has a 61 on Rotten Tomatoes, and Roger Ebert gave it a three out of four. He's obviously on fucking drugs. He's going. He's going crazy in his See, there you go. Age. Maybe he was drunk that night. You know. Well, the audience score was a forty-one percent. So I mean, it... the Philadelphia Inquirer said it was an utterly sloppy piece of work, journalistically. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks wonders about the BBC because they're the ones that funded the movie. Uh, fucking. David Parkinson from Radio Time said, Broomfield has always employed a blend of charm and innocence to expose the frailties of his subjects. But here that tactic backfires. Well, he didn't interview his subjects. Yeah, he interviewed nobodies. He interviewed, like, I'm a huge lifelong Nirvana fan. And there was like, I I feel like I heard of one or two people he interviewed. Most of them were just like random ass fucking people that seemed like Matt Kirk Cobain for like an hour. Yeah, like the one <laughs> like the one chick that was supposedly friends with them and shot dope with them. Yeah, yeah. And couldn't bring a picture that she claimed that she had of like her doing dope with them. Yeah, like Kirk it's like, Cobain. Well, who the fuck be- are you? Well, and that's a horseshit story. Kirk Cobain was a rock star. Like he wasn't going to be doing dope with anybody he didn't know that well, and let them take pictures of them doing dope together. Exactly. So that they could then go sell that picture to the fucking National Enquirer or whatever for thirty thousand yep. dollars. Then you know, like the whole underlying thing is, is that Courtney Love killed Kirk Cobain, or you know, had something to do with it. When presented the opportunity to ask her face-to-face, he completely shits to fucking bed yeah. and doesn't ask anything. And then he gets on stage and, like, tries and to, she- like, justify, like, her being, like, mean to reporters and shit. And it's like, asshole. Who were who you working for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he was face-to-face like this, and he could have asked, you know, um, you offered El Duce $50,000 to kill Kurt Cobain but he didn't take that opportunity and he gave it to some guy named Andy right or something is this true instead he fucking starts complimenting her and all this bullshit it's like are you fucking kidding me this is the whole point of this movie like well he kind of acts like um he's trying to like kind of hide that the movie is like anti-Courtney 
Yeah. The whole time. And then he hide he like goes to such great effort to hide it that it almost becomes a not anti Courtney movie. Yeah. Like the fact that it like doesn't it's set out to like paint her as the killer and it ends up like having such a being such a murky experience that like almost you're like oh there is no clear evidence for courtney love having killed Kurt cobain in this movie that's all about it so she probably didn't kill him and almost acts in in the opposite way it's intended to for the worst movie we've ever watched <laughs> i give it a one out of ten. One out of ten yeah. god damn i'm holding off from giving it a zero because i'm sure we'll watch hopefully i don't know i would like to watch soaked in bleach I really would. Yeah, I gotta find out if that's on anything where we can watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I'd, I'd give it a two. A two. Yeah, it was doesn't. I could, like I said, I couldn't even finish the film. I just it was just not in for me. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a one and a half. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking at like one and a half. One and one, a half. One point like seven. Yeah. Yeah, I. It's just. I feel bad because they're. Because you made us watch this, or <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad that you guys have to watch yeah. it. No, um, I I feel bad because it, there was an opportunity to have something be great, and there was a lot of there was a lot of people that could have made that movie better than what it was, and whether it be from, you know, the funding being pulled from the movie, like they said, or just lack of witnesses or whatever. It could have been better, and they should have watched this shit in post editing and been like, "Absolutely not, we can't do this." Yeah, and they they it. keep going back to his aunt, and it's like the only thing good they had in this movie was the title of the movie. Yeah, that's a title that will sell. Yep, and and it did. That was the only fucking thing good about this movie. Honestly, it was definitely one of the worst. That's why it gets a one out of ten. It got got a hundred <laughs> out of a hundred points for the title. <laughs> but everything else it got zero right alright well we have our personal suggestions this week since you're the guest William we're going to let you go first what is your personal suggestion for All right, this so my week? personal suggestion is uh, the band Star Set they okay. have uh, two records out currently they have a third one coming out in September um, just a couple uh, single songs they have Monster, Satellite um, I've kind of really gotten into the band um, they kind of sound more or less like um I don't want to say like Breaking Benjamin, but I've heard um, Star Set. I don't mind them. I think they're a cool band. Yeah, it's that's pretty good music. Um, now, if you had to pick one song, who would you pick to show um, somebody? Somebody that's not a fan. Not a fan. I'd probably pick Monster. Monster. And have them listen to that, and then say like, "Hey, what do you think about this band?" You know. Okay. Cool. What do you got, Connor? All right, I'm gonna take uh, Beck's second album for this week, Odalay. Nice. So Beck got big in '94 with Loser. And then he got back in 96 or 97 with uh, the Dust Brothers who did like the Beastie Boys production. Yeah. And um, he kicked it up major notch on Odelay. Yeah, um, I like Odelay. That's got like, yeah, where it's at, Devil's mm-hmm. Haircut, New Pollution, Jackass, a bunch of good songs. Got two um, turntables and a microphone. Anybody who hasn't heard that album you're you're missing out yeah that's a real big good time one. yeah that's awesome uh my personal suggestion this week is the song outlaw now it's Outlaws. <laughs> it's made by youtube personality heath hussar now i don't know if it's something that he's going to pursue like a musical career or whatever 
because I don't know for those of you that aren't familiar with YouTube uh, influencers, he's part of what they call the vlog squad. And in the vlog squad, there's Scotty Sire who has a music career also, but this song outlaw is awesome. It's almost like, I don't know if like kid rocks cowboy was like better. Hmm. (laughs) And I like Cowboy, so yeah. I mean that's saying a lot. Um, yeah, I mean you can find it on Spotify. I don't know if it's on Apple Music, but it's definitely on YouTube. Check it out, Heath Hussar, Outlaw. All right, our group suggestion this week is the movie Rolling Thunder Revenue. It is a documentary about Bob Dylan. It is uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's on Netflix. Nice. Can't go wrong with some Bob Dylan and Martin Scorsese. Yeah, right? All right, so uh, did you have fun joining the podcast again? I did, yeah. I enjoyed myself. I really enjoyed uh, Martin Scorsese and Shark Tale. It was the one fish. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed Martin Scorsese's parents in Goodfellas. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you had a good time this second time around? Yeah, I did, yeah. I enjoyed it. Well... Just remember, you're always welcomed here. Thank you. We'll definitely have you on again. Okay. You know, Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for another week. Don't forget to like and subscribe, you know, comment. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at RATM Podcast or, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.com slash RATM Podcast. I'm Will. I'm Will. I'm Connor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Bill. This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night.